Hi there, we're your IP consultants. This is about to be highly indulgent. So sit back and unpack your anti-convulsants. And we'll tell you where to shove your Stanleys and Vulcans. We'll use this device for unsolicited advice. You didn't ask us for it, but you can't beat the price. We offer up our services from the U.S. to Sweden. We're your IP consultants, Vincent and Ian. Welcome to IP Consultants Podcast. It's like fantasy football, but we replaced the football with even more fantasy? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, We are your IP Consultants. My name is Ian. And my name is Vincent. Today, we're covering a cold property today again. Sort of a cold property. Yeah, one that perhaps should stay that way? We... Yeah, I think we're both in agreement that this is something that we think should not be touched, but this episode is going to be more like, if you have to... This is how you should do it. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I I realized this morning, after we had discussed doing this property, uh, Back to the Future does have a comic book. We're doing Back to the Future, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to talk about Back to the Future. Uh, There's there's also a video game, uh, I think, or something like that. Yeah, but that's that game is also not recent. Right. Yeah, it was a few years ago. It was a few years ago, and many consider it to be Back to the Future 4, especially uh, since Bob Gale uh, was involved with it. Right. I don't know basically anything about the game. I know I know Christopher Lloyd was in it, and I know there was a voice actor replacing uh, Michael J. Fox. Uh, and Michael J. Fox does appear in it, too. Oh, he does? The, there's an actor playing younger Marty McFly in the game, and then in the game's final episode, it was a Telltale game, so it was episodic. Right. And the in the fifth episode, an older Marty McFly is played by Michael J. Fox. Oh. Uh, but Christopher Lloyd plays all the different versions of Emmett Brown, even the younger Emmett and the older, which is pretty great. It was also turned into a comic. Mm. Uh, Eric Burnham, who does the Ghostbusters comic, because both the Ghostbusters and Back to the Future are IDW. Right. They did a comic book adaptation of the game and called it Citizen Brown. It was done in a, a issue, couple issue miniseries, and then it was collected into a collection. I picked it up at C2E2 two years ago, and Eric Burnham signed it for me. But basically, yeah, the game got re-released on current consoles, Xbox One and PS4, as a 30th anniversary uh, edition of the game, uh, it's just basically slightly remastered graphics. Uh, I played it on PS3 when it came out, and uh, I love it. I think it's great. I'm sad, A, Telltale lost the license to it, and B, that Telltale is no more, because I would love to see a sequel to it, because it kind of has a cliffhanger. Hmm. But it's as close to a Back to the Future 4 as we're going to get. But we're not talking about a sequel, we're talking about possible relaunch, aren't we? Well, we're talking about possibilities, I suppose, (laughs) uh, because... Obviously, the ideal thing to do is just don't touch it. Just leave it. Yeah, just but leave it alone. If you're going to do something, there are, you know, there are options with, with any property. There's like, do you do a reboot? Do you do a sequel? Do you do a prequel? Do you do a spinoff? Do you do legacy? Like, there are all these options available to studios. Sometimes they like really? to maybe reboot things that they shouldn't. Sometimes they do 
sequels to things that don't need sequels. Stuff like that happens. So I guess the question is, what's the worst thing they could do? <laughs> well, I'm sure we could come up with a lot of worst things they could do. You could like reboot it, recast it, tell the story all over again, but do it differently. Like that's an option. But it is an option, and I and I thought be about the worst one. It, it it most definitely is the worst option because I mean those movies are a lot of people's favorite movies, and uh, uh, yeah. a lot of people will tell you those movies still hold up, and you don't really need to reboot things that still hold up unless there's a very specific reason to, and there doesn't seem to be. They tend to reboot things that still hold up anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that tends to be a bad idea. It's always a bad idea. Yeah, and th- but uh, and that's why we're here to to tell them that. Don't do that. If you're going to do anything, don't do that. Our primary consultation here is don't just don't. Yeah, just don't. (laughs) But if you're going to do something, I guess I guess one option that you could do if you had to do something is Back to the Future 4. Yeah. And I have some ideas for what that could be. Do you have any ideas? I have I have a few. My, I have a few. My ideas uh, are divorced but, but, but let me, from... Let me, let me, before you, before you uh, get into I'm that... I'm not going to get into the idea. I'm just going to give a little caveat about the ideas I have because there's well, a there's a problem in my idea. Sure, sure. But before, is, before, you get into, before you get into all of that, we need to state that we know that... A, this shouldn't be done, but we also know that Bob Gale, the guy who did the Back to the Future movies, has said, as long as he's alive, none of this will happen anyway. Yeah. So that's... Uh, so I, I just I just have this fear that is, is as soon as he kicks the bucket, the studio is like, all right, we're good. Well, it's going to be, I know it's... <laughs> yeah, but well... Let's just say this is fantasy football. This this episode is especially fantasy football. It's don't do it, but let's imagine. Let's imagine yes. a what if scenario where Bob Gale was doing it. What would Bob Gale do if Bob Gale had a different point of view? Right. <laughs> a what if scenario. Right. I, I, what if's my favorite? But I love the, what if. But the 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 thing I have to add to my what if is I have not played the game. I have not read the comics. I don't know the expanded universe. I only know the trilogy. So my, you don't even know the cartoon? Uh, no. Well, I know it exists. I, I've never yeah. seen it. It wasn't on in Sweden. Yeah. Well, the 30th anniversary, they put out a, a box set that included the three movies on Blu-ray and then the entire series of the cartoon on DVD. Right. Yeah. So the caveat I have to give is that my any idea I'm going to talk about would be some sort of canon cleanup in the vein of what we suggested for DC <laughs> in sure, that, sure. Or, or what Star Wars did of like throwing away the the expanded universe. Um, right, right. So that would be where my idea lies, not because I have anything against the sta- uh, the expanded universe, but because I simply don't know it. Oh, sure. That makes sense. That's my caveat. Okay, fair, fair. That is entirely fair. And I, I think a good justification, because honestly, I don't think a lot of people who would be going to see a sequel would be even aware of the game or the comic or the cartoon series, which, you know, is a fair assumption. Most people who are, you know, we've talked about possibly doing Ghostbusters on this show, too. And the comic book takes 
everything into account. It counts the movies. It counts the video game. It counts the different cartoon series. All is canon right. in the comic book series. Right. So, you know, ideally, that's what we would want the movie to do is to assume everything in, into canon. But realistically, that's not going to be a possibility. Right. Because there are going to be so many people who are going to miss out on those things. So uh, what what was your idea for the sequel, Back to the Future 4, <laughs> okay. minus everything that has come out? Okay, yeah. This is, I'm going to say, first of all, because of the whole thing of, like, don't, uh, this is a bad idea for a movie. I'm going to start there. But it is a movie that is an idea for a movie. It's not a full story idea. I have the setup. I don't have where it goes. I had this idea a long time ago, and I've since forgotten it and couldn't find the Facebook comment where I posted it. <laughs> so I'm just going to say that what the setup is, and then we can, you know, talk about where it goes, unless you have a completely different pitch to to throw out. Afterward. I have a completely different pitch. Okay. Uh, not, re- not even really a pitch, just more of a discussion, but it's completely different. We'll, right. we'll get to that. Right. So... Here's here's the setup. It's the present. The year is 2020 because it takes time to make a movie. Jaws episode one, the reboot is in theaters. This doesn't look like the present. It, it looks like five years after the 2015 we saw in, in Back to the Future 2. Things have gotten a bit darker. This is an opportunity to just poke some light fun at the late 80s to early 90s, dark and gritty versions of the future. And uh, Jennifer Parker McFly is trying to hold it together. Marty McFly has Parkinson's. Dr. Emmett Brown is gone off traveling through time in his locomotive. Jennifer hears on the news that archaeologists have made a startling discovery. Bits of what appears to be a locomotive have been discovered among dinosaur fossils, carbon dated to the Cretaceous period. Doc is stuck in dinosaur times. Now, Jennifer has to fix the DeLorean, which is a famously shitty car. Looks cool. Piece of junk. Marty is like, I'm not getting in that car again. And Jennifer's like, well, if you're not doing it, I'm, I'm going alone. And he's like, fine, I'll come with, but I'm staying in the car. That's, you know, a reference to Back to the Future 2, where she stays in the car. Right. And I'm guessing he wouldn't want to be doing a whole lot of running around. No, no, probably not. In the movie. So I'm thinking. I enjoy that already from Jump, this is a vehicle for Elizabeth Shue. Well, or the <laughs> other one. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the original Jennifer back from the first movie. Well, they could do. There, there is the possibility of, of having uh, the timelines split so that you have both of them. Oh, my God. Um, you're you're going to do a road. Roseanne reboot. Uh, <laughs> the two Beckys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they go to the Cretaceous period. Now they got to find Doc. Once they do, he's like, we got to go back to the future. That was not bad. And Jen and Marty are like, no, duh. And, and Doc <laughs> is like, no, the far future. Turns out someone came and stole the time traveling parts of the locomotive. He thinks it's the Libyans. <laughs> Turns out it's aliens. The the leader is If Anton, played by Tom Wilson in prosthetic makeup. And I had a bunch of ideas for what happens with this uh, alien uh, Biff version, but I don't remember them. Wait, did you call him Tiff Bannon? No, If Anton. <laughs> if. If you call them Tiff, it could be a nice little Futurama reference, too. But uh. Yeah, but I, was, I just moved the letters around. It's an anagram. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's that's my my setup for a bad Back to the Future four. I I I, uh, I I have to say that is the best worst movie idea I've heard in a while. 
When you were talking about sequels and setting it, obviously, after the Back to the Future movies take place, that was kind of a, a thought and a concern of mine is we have now passed the timeline that the future is in the Back to the Future movies. And do we address that? Do we make it the future from those movies or do we make it our future? You know, right. right. That, uh, which is which is something that they're doing in the Bill and Ted sequel. <laughs> it is. Bill and Ted 3. I, I don't really know much about what they're doing with Bill and Ted 3. I know they're doing it. It's another time travel movie, so it, it fits kind of on topic here. The, the thing about Bill and Ted 3 is Bill and Ted have gotten older and they haven't been famous as Wild Stallions. Right, which is not that far from what I think Brian Lynch did something similar in the comic. Yeah, he did. He did something very similar in the, in the comic. It's been one of those things where like they're realizing that they haven't fulfilled their destiny to bring the world peace through their music and it's them kind of dealing with that and trying to figure out how to get there right or at least that's been the rumors about the movie that i've heard not a lot of details have come out so that was kind of like my idea when you said sequel as we were talking or as you were talking it jumped in my head like would the 2020 be five years after the movie's 2015 or five years after our 2015 when we literally have biff tannen in the white house right and (laughs) you know and it's we're in we're in the bed timeline. Yeah, so I opted to go with doing five years after the events of Back to the Future 2. Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense. Or at least some close equivalent, because obviously the timeline has been altered, but by how much, basically? Yeah, exactly. Dinosaurs, man. I think that's great. Well, the, the, the <laughs> thought behind that was if you're doing like, OK, what they did in the first movie was they went back a generation mm-hmm. in the second movie. They went forward a generation. And in the third movie, they went into early American history. So my thought was, what haven't they done? They haven't done prehistory and they haven't done the far, far future with like aliens and shit. So those are like the two extremes that you would go to for like the next movie, because whenever you do a sequel, you don't want to repeat yourself too much. Obviously, these movies have an inherent element of repetition. There are aspects of the story that keeps repeating because history repeating is a part of the the mechanism behind Back to the Future. But there are still like you want to as much as possible do things that haven't been done, but that by the previous movies have been made possible. That makes sense. I will say this sequel, as we are saying, is ignoring the other history. So clearly it's missing the dinosaur part from Back to the Future, the ride. Right. So this is again, uh, expanded universe. I'm ignoring it because I don't know about it. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. So definitely it's an interesting pitch. And, and of course the idea of, of uh, Marty McFly having Parkinson's is because Michael J. Fox can't play a person who doesn't have Parkinson's unless he's just doing the voice and it's a robot. Yeah. Which is an option. You can have a robot Marty McFly and he's, his mind has been transferred into a robot. And you could have the voice actor from the game reprising the role. It's an option if Michael J. Fox doesn't want to do it. But again, we're going into even further into this is a bad idea for a movie territory. All all of these are bad points. I mean, Michael J. Fox is still acting. Yes. He's still doing he's still doing roles. And uh, he was on Designated Survivor recently. That was the last uh, show I saw that he was on. I didn't watch the actual show. But yeah, he's still doing television and not doing films, really. But television he's doing because it's an easier shoot schedule. 
Right. I would think because it's dependent on the episode if he's in it, how much. So. Right. So that's why I opted to go with the. Yeah. Yeah. The realism. <laughs> yeah. The art imitates life aspect because it's. Yes, exactly. It's better than doing the robot guy. <laughs> yeah. Better, better than doing the robot guy. I, I would definitely agree with that. I think if it's 2020, we know that by 2015, Marty and Jennifer have kids. Right. That is something I thought about. And I, among my loose ideas that didn't go in the actual pitch was the idea, uh, along with the idea of doing the split timeline to Jennifer's idea, was the idea that the kids have disappeared from the timeline. Mm. And basically part of the plot would be once they've fixed history, because obviously you, you can go anywhere in history and you could, you know, poke around and some like butterfly effect thing would be like the thing that made the kids go away. But that's a horrible thought. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking more along the lines of the kids take over doing the time travel. Right. Because like that's kind of along the lines of the cartoon because the cartoon is the adventures of Doc Brown's kids. Oh, really. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's they're causing mischief through timeline and Marty's kind of going after them and, and rescuing them or saving them or teaching them lessons. It's a kid's show, so it, it's semi-educational. Mm. Every episode of the show is bookended by live action shots of Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown. Huh. I did not know that. But the cartoon version of Doc Brown is voiced by Dan Castellaneta, oh. who plays Homer Simpson on The Simpsons. Yes, and, and the genie in the Aladdin <laughs> in the cartoon. Second, in the second Aladdin cartoon, yeah. And, uh, the, and the, the TV, TV, TV show, yeah. So, basically, the cartoon version follows Jules and Vern uh, as little mischief makers. So, that's your pitch. Uh, my idea... Which, which is, again, a thing that should not be done. Right. Was always going to be a reboot. Mm. Because we know, realistically, that both Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd are up in years and not doing as much as they had been doing. Christopher Lloyd just turned 80. Right. Yeah, that's part of why I, why I made it primarily about Jennifer. Yeah. Because, obviously, she's still working. Yeah, oh yeah, she's still working and still doing stuff. And, and Michael J. Fox is doing limited TV roles. So, uh, instead, uh, we're talking about a reboot, a recasting. And the question becomes, with this reboot, do you set it in 1985 again? Because that was the time of the original Back to the Future, and they go back to the 50s. Or, do you set it now and have them go back to the 80s? Well, in the tradition of reboots, I would assume now. Yeah, because, you know, they kind of want to keep things modern because otherwise you're doing awkward double period piece. Yeah, and you can do the whole <laughs> thing with cell phones. Oh, the cell phones were gigantic, but now yeah. cell phones are doing everything. Yeah, now the cell phones are just flat, you know? <laughs> yeah, and they do stuff. And and they do stuff. They're pocket computers. Yeah, so I, I think setting it in the, you know, let's talk about what would be needed for the... Well, you got to have the floppy disk joke. The floppy disk joke, absolutely. Yeah, the floppy disk joke that everybody makes on the internet, which is somebody 3D printed the save button. Yeah, and uh, I... <laughs> it's... The, the whole movie runs the problem of because the first things we think of are gags. The yeah. whole movie runs the problem of being culture uh, clash. The movie, quote unquote, this is about stupid millennials, unquote. Yeah, so, <laughs> time clash. The movie. Yes, exactly. So I think trying to keep it instead of trying to and that would be the, the other issue with making it a reboot is they're going to inject humor that tries too hard. Right. Which seems to be a lot of the cases with a lot of things right now. Yeah. The thing about the Back to the Future movies in terms of humor 
humor is they're not going for the big laughs a lot of the time. No. They're, they're goofy, but not necessarily hilarious. There's a lot of goofy, cheesy stuff that is like done with a wink. It's all very organic, though. It comes about naturally, the humor. It's not somebody making a snappy remark or being, you know, quick witted with a joke in it. It's just natural humor because of the situation. Right. So it's those movies are comedies, sure, but they are organically comedies. They're not written to be hilarious, funny, because it's more of a science fiction kind of movie. Yeah, it's situational comedy with some exactly with some heightened goofy stuff that's not necessarily funny, just goofy. Exactly. And a lot of what George Lucas would call rhyming. How so? How's it, how do you mean? Well, uh, George Lucas, during the production of Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, uh, he used a phrase that goes, it's like poetry, it's got a rhyme, which is when a movie references the previous movies in like stylistic choices and moments and, and bits and pieces that are like echoes of previous movies. Sure, sure. Reference. Star, the Star Wars movies do that a lot since, well, I guess starting with the prequels and ever since. The new movies yeah. are obviously echoing the old movies a lot. And that's something that George Lucas refers to as rhyming. And the Back to the Future movies do that a lot. There's a lot of stuff in the second movie that's a direct like echo of the first movie and a lot of stuff in the third movie that's a direct echo of a lot of the stuff in the first couple of movies. Ter- Terminator 2 does that too. Uh, or the, Terminator, the Terminator series does that. And we're going back with, with time travel stuff. I guess it's easier with time travel movies for some reason. But there's references, there's definitely lines that get repeated. Yes. Not just I'll be back, yeah. but come with me if you want to live. No fear, but we, we make it. Yeah. Not just our themes in the movies, but are also reference points and hints at things. Yeah, lines, visuals, moments. Yeah, you know, so you you mean you have you have Kyle Reese say come with me if you want to live in the first movie. Right. And then having the Terminator say it to Sarah Connor in the second movie is not just a reference to it, but it's also a flip on the script of what the whole meaning of that movie is supposed to be. Right. And those are examples of them doing it right. <laughs> right. That's good use of rhyming. And uh, the Back to the Future movies did that as well, is all I'm saying. It's part of the fabric of this franchise is, is rhyming. And we want we would want the reboot to be able to do that properly and well and do justice to the original series as opposed to, hey, we made a reference to the thing. Did you see the reference? Let's point it out. Let's point at the reference. Can you see the reference that we've made? Which is what the Ghostbusters reboot did a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Look, look, we have one of the actors from The Thing. You remember The Thing. They're not playing the same character, but it's them. We're pointing at them. It's them. Yeah. So I guess another question about the reboot is the Ghostbusters reboot was a bit of a strange reboot because it's not a reboot with the same characters. It's a reboot with different characters. So I guess the question Question I pose to you who are pitching the reboot, if you had to do a reboot, which again, bad idea, if you had to do a reboot, would it be worse or better to have a new Dr. Emmett Brown and a new Marty McFly, or would you have new characters and just use the title and the setup, but different characters? Would you karate kid it, or would you... That's the difference between a reboot and a remake. Well, not necessarily. In a way, because the reboot takes the franchise idea and just kind of redoes everything. Characters, Well, plot. not necessarily. A reboot of Superman is still... Clark Kent is still Superman. It's... it's the, the point yeah. of a reboot is to restart a franchise, where it's the point of a remake is to make a movie again. Well, they remade The Italian Job, right. and the only things that lasted in the remake of The Italian Job are two character names and the mini 
Coopers. Right. That is literally the only things that carry over. Well, and the and the premise. I'm still the firm believer that the only reason they remade the Italian job is because they brought the Mini Cooper cars back. Mm. The premise of a heist. It's not even the same heist. It's not even the same way they do the heist. Yeah, no. Uh, Ocean's Eleven is another remake that is completely different than the original. Right. But the thing that makes it a remake as opposed to a reboot is the fact that there wasn't a franchise before. There was just a movie. Yeah, that's true. If you now remade Ocean's Eleven, it would be a reboot because now there's a franchise. Yes. That's the difference between a reboot and a remake is... I see. Is there an ongoing story being told that you're starting over from the top or is it just making the same movie again? I definitely agree with that. Cool. That's a good clarification. I agree with that. Like Karate Kid, that was a reboot because there were sequels to the first one. That's very true. And with those, though, like because it's a reboot, I guess you can introduce new characters and make new things happen. Right. So the question is, how much do you repeat what has been in the existing movies? Do you use the same character names? That's a good question, because as you said with the Ghostbusters one, they clearly didn't use anything from the original. Well, they used a lot. They, they echoed a lot and in usually bad ways. Yeah, well, they, they echoed some story beat. They used a lot of visual stuff. They used Ecto-1, which they made it look a little different, but it was still, they called it Ecto-1 and it was a whole thing. They had the same logo. They had the same building. They had... At the end, they had the same building and, and at the end, they introduced Gozer too. And they had Slimer. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of like iconography that they reference. And also there was, you know, a random bust of Egon, even though Egon doesn't exist in that universe. It was weird. They didn't think about what they were doing as the problem. So that's why I'm asking you to think yeah let's about the do, do, do the echoing but put thought into it basically right so here's a reference that would be interesting to have in there and that is have whoever the scientist is who's inventing the time machine be it a new emmett brown or somebody with a different name have him be doing it at a nuclear power plant mm. because that was the original way the time travel was going to be done in back to the future right it wasn't in a car mm. they were transporting the entire power plant huh. <laughs> that's that's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. I think also you should have Eric Stoltz in there somewhere. I don't care where you put him, but put Eric Stoltz in there somewhere. That's fair. <laughs> But beyond that, if you're going to do it, I think setting it in modern day going back to the 80s as opposed to setting it in the 80s again and going back into the 50s, because if you are rebooting it, reboot it for modern audiences. Right. So yours would start in 2020, but the 2020 that actually is. Exactly. So, you you know, you have it set now and having them go back and is it something with their parents? Is it a new storyline? Because the original Back to the Future takes place in 85 because it was made in 85. Right. You know, you watch that now. It's not a nostalgia thing. That's when it happened. Right. Doing that again, I think, is probably the better idea. Sure. If you set it in 1985 and have them go back to the 50s, there is that. But that's not as authentic because you're going through the lens of nostalgia of looking at the 80s rather than it being actually how the 80s were. Right. So I think setting it now going back to the 80s is different because that movie does the nostalgia of looking back of how the 50s were. So. Right. Which, you know, is a luxury only white people have um, exactly <laughs> and also there's the question of uh of the uh the near miss incest yeah i think that could be omitted <laughs> right so that that's an excuse to reboot i suppose is is saying oh yeah but the original had had that yeah thing in it by the way near miss incest i saw them opening for the rolling stones once it was 
Right. Not not good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, that reaction uh, <laughs> was the best reaction to that joke I've ever made. All right. <laughs> I think with the reboot, try not to oversaturate the characters. With a lot of reboots, they try to put too many things in. They try to make it too, for lack of a better way of saying it, edgy. There's the reboot of RoboCop. Yeah. The reboot of RoboCop and the reboot of Total Recall. I knew you were going to say Total Recall. I was just waiting for it. Otherwise, I would have said it. I didn't see it, but I saw enough of it to sort of know what they did and to know what mistakes they did, which is repeating a lot of the stuff, but taking out the stuff that made it magical, which is the fun, right? They took out the fun. They took out likable characters. The Total Recall reboot made it kind of closer to the original story. A sidebar here, when the original Total Recall was... Uh, I'm sorry, uh, when Total Recall came out, the next idea was to do Minority Report. So when the Minority Report was originally pitched, it was going to be specifically a sequel to Total Recall. Mm. So instead of Tom Cruise's character, it was going to be Schwarzenegger's character from Total Recall. Right. Which is weird, uh, which is why it took forever for them to make that movie. But anyway, the the reboot of, of Total Recall is closer to the original Philip K. Dick short story, but it's also further away from it because it takes away a lot of the effects and and magic and alien feeling that the original has i love total recall and that's why i didn't watch the remake i didn't hate the total recall remake uh, i know a lot of people did i thought it was okay i didn't think it was great i just thought it was okay right robocop i actually haven't seen the reboot of that me neither well Wait, did I? No, I don't think I saw it. But the the point of me bringing up both of those is both of those got watered down from their originals, too. The original movies for both of those, RoboCop and Total Recall, were rated R movies. Right. And the remakes or reboots, whichever, depending on which one we're talking about, was released at PG-13. Right. And you're watering down this version of it. Obviously, that may not totally count for Back to the Future as those were PG movies. Well, yeah, but you don't want to do the opposite thing either. You don't want to water them up yeah you don't want to you don't want to edge them up you don't want to make them too edgy making them pg-13 and just kind of eliminating the charm and the fun of those films either so right yeah they should be accessible exactly and hollywood is all about making things accessible too that's why they made rated r movies pg-13 so that more people can go see them right but you sacrifice good parts of movie You don't want to turn it into the Meg. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen the Meg. Which would have been a lot more fun had it been rated R. Hmm. It was it was an okay movie. I liked it. I know a lot of people kind of hated on that. I like bad movies, admittedly. Uh, yeah, we, but, uh, we've talked about that before. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think if you're going to completely reboot it, I say completely reboot it give the echoes to the original series but make it new characters make it a new situation make it a new way to time travel don't make it a delorean but put a delorean somewhere it's there's a nice thing in the background or something you give the nods to what came before in a respectful way but you don't overly shove it in your face like look ah we did the thing here's the thing what you're describing sounds dangerously close to something that could turn into the ghostbusters remake or reboot because by making all these nods to the movies you're basically telling the audience hey remember these movies that were better (laughs) don't you wish you were watching these movies that were better like to me when you do a a reboot what you want to do to me 
is you want to avoid that. I would agree that you are correct. I would say there still should be echoes, but not make them as blatant as they are in the Ghostbusters reboot. You are correct. So maybe not as blatant as the DeLorean that I just mentioned. Right. Make it its own thing. Make it its own thing that is aware of it, but is not trying to recapture lightning in a bottle. As right. It were. And here's another concern that would come up with what you're pitching is you would you would possibly get people saying, why is it called Back to the Future? It's a different story. It's a time travel story. It's got different characters question mark and yeah it's just making references to a thing that i like but it's not necessarily the thing that i like so why is it called that that that's exactly the problem that people had with karate kid because he wasn't learning karate he was learning kung fu right the reference is oh he's called the karate kid because he knew karate yeah but now he's learning kung fu because he's not in america he's over in can't remember where he was if it was china or not and learning that martial art there which is changing the whole thing of what that original movie is in this one it's called back to the future because they're trying to get back to the future from the past where they are stuck right so you have at least the similar plot um it's like ghostbusters why are they called ghostbusters because they're busting ghosts right so you have the similar plot how you get there will vary because we're changing things. The deus ex machina is different, but, you know, you, you get to the whole roundabout way. See, that, that's the thing. I had no pitch for this. I just had the snippets of an idea. Right. So this is just a consulting of uh, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> because these are not good ideas. They're not even good enough for me to waste time yeah, thinking about. Yeah, you're definitely in dangerous waters. Yes, exactly. We're pointing out all the things that could go wrong with this pitch. Yeah. Because... Obviously, there are so many that could, and it's a thing that shouldn't be done. Yeah. That's why I didn't even waste time thinking of pitching it, because it just shouldn't happen. Right. Yeah. Well, the short version of this episode is, hey, don't do it. We've been your IP consultants. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Three second episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So is there anything else to say about Back to the... Or did we cover it? Or do we go deeper into what happens in the sequels? I think what ideally people should take away from this is that while it may technically be a cold property on film, a lot of people may not realize that there is that Back to the Future expanded universe. Right. There is the cartoon series. Right. There is the video game, which if you don't play video games on YouTube, there is a collection. It's like a four hour video mm. of all the cutscenes and everything from the game compiled into a movie length feature. So you can just sit and watch it and have that be your Back to the Future 4. Huh. The comic book series is fantastic. Is it? Great writers on it. Bob Gale is involved. So it's a good interesting continuation doing things that you can't do in live action because you have the medium of you know art instead of <laughs> live action moving things. And it's very good too. So you have that expanded universe a little bit. What eventually people who will become more aware of those will be like, well, we just want an adaptation of this. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if you're talking about sequelizing your sequel, if you're talking about moving on from the franchise and doing Back to the Future 5 and Back to the Future 6 sequels to your Back to the Future 4 pitch. Yeah, Star Warsing it. Yeah, absolutely. Or even prequelizing it, you know. Young Emmett Brown? Young Emmett Brown, you know, going and, and seeing what kind of science experience
experiments he was failing at as a kid and figuring out that maybe, no, he thought they were failures. He just didn't actually figure out what they really did. The thing that he puts on Marty's head to read his mind, that thing actually turns out to be some psychoconductor rather than a mind reading device or something like that, you know? Right. So you go even outside of the time travel stuff and delve more into like the expanded catalog of inventions. Make them character studies. Yeah. Make it about Doc Emmett Brown's hugely underrated inventions that nobody realized were extremely far ahead of their time and amazing. But it's only because he didn't figure out what they were actually for. Right. Well, what that makes me think is that maybe in the future, there's a Dr. Emmett Brown museum of all of his failed inventions <laughs> and the one that is uh that works and you could have someone maybe go to that museum and steal the DeLorean well or or find that all of the non-functioning inventions turns out to actually do stuff yeah but yeah steal the DeLorean <laughs> which again famously shitty car you gotta fix it <laughs> they've destroyed the DeLorean like so many times anyway so yeah so yeah I think we've kind of run out <laughs> yeah th- this episode this episode so far is really short so uh, I guess we gotta do a new segment Nebby or knobbish uh, I've noticed <laughs> had this planned <laughs> I've noticed that you've mentioned in previous episodes more than once that characters are a nebbish it's an ongoing uh, identification thing going on so I want to I want to run this by you with back to the future I'm going to run some characters by you and you're going to tell me if they're a nebbish in which case you say nebbish or they're not in which case you say knobbish oh knobbish yeah I thought you were saying they were knobbish no. as in they were a bit of a knob no it's knobbish so, <laughs> so it's it's two words. Okay. Nebbish yeah. or knobbish. Yeah. All right. Sure. I'll play. <laughs> okay. Marty McFly. Uh, knobbish. Doc Emmett Brown. Uh, nah, nah. Jennifer Parker. Nah. Well, it's not bish. <laughs> okay, I, I feel weird saying it, but nah, bish. All right, sure. <laughs> Biff Tannen. Nah, bish. George McFly. Nebbish. <laughs> Honestly, you could go further with that because Marty McFly Jr., absolute nebbish. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) We've talked about the Back to the Future 4 movie. We've talked about the Back to the Future reboot that is at risk of becoming the Ghostbusters reboot. Again, we are telling you why these ideas are bad. Right. And that is how we are consulting. Now, if we go into spinoffs, which we've touched upon, possible spinoffs, what are some things that could be done in the Back to the Future universe that aren't Back to the Future? That might be a bit more of a rabbit hole to fall into. Let's go through Biff Tannen's lineage. Right. He's got that Wild West outlaw. Mad Dog Tannen was the one from the Wild West. And then there's Biff. And then there his grandson, Griff, because mm. he calls Biff Tannen grandpa because that version of Biff Tannen and Marty McFly Jr. are the same age, roughly. Right. So, yeah. So, like, you know, what? who is his son? Who was the Tannen before Biff? He, he, you know, he lives with his grandma, but where are his real parents? What happened to them? What is their history? It's a lineage of assholes. Right. It's a history of total dicks. Let's learn. Is there one good Tannen? Is there the one Tannen that's actually kind of a nice guy and isn't making trouble for various McFlies. The the (laughs) one good tannin. Is that the title of the film? (laughs) That's a great pitch title. The one good tannin. Is is he played by Tom Wilson or are we aiming for a younger? I think ideally, yeah, let's have Tom Wilson come back for it. Sure. In fact, let's make Tom Wilson pull an Eddie Murphy in (laughs) Nutty Professor 2 and just have him play every role. The tannins. (laughs) The tannins. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think we broke it. I think we just pulled a Gwen verse. Yeah, but um, but again, well, maybe we, maybe we do, maybe we do enter the Biff verse. Enter the Biff verse. The Tannen verse. Enter the Tannen verse. Tannen verse has got a better ring. Yeah, it does. Uh, so, so it's a multiverse story. I guess, I guess we're changing the rules of time travel of Back to the Future because now when you change time, it splits off. Well, they they say that in two, it splits off to its own thing, and going back to the original is tough. So let's, it's just Biff fucking up time lines all over the place and trying and to get back. all these different and trying to get back to the original where he came from so it's not back to the future it's back to the right present <laughs> that is the most convoluted complicated title i love it <laughs> oh that's perfect back to the right present <laughs> People won't care if it's a reboot or a remake or anything. They're just going to say that title, it's connected clearly, but it's fucked up because it's Biff. Oh, but Perfect. maybe maybe it's the Biff from the altered timeline. So it's the Biff who's, you know, nice. <laughs> the Biff who got punched. Yeah, that Biff, because he's trying to get back to his reality, but he's in the other one where the bad Biff is. Yeah. So like, well, no, here's the thing, though. Like that Biff became such a milk toast after getting punched once. He went from the thug prick character to kind of being a little nebbish. He's kind of being, he's actually a little bish. He's a, he, <laughs> you've made him this little kind of afraid of George McFly character, right? which, you know, is bizarre in itself. So imagine him being afraid of Biff Tannen. Yeah, being afraid of his former self. The him he could have been if he hadn't been punched. Yeah. Had he gone through with the horrible, horrible date rape? Good Lord. I mean, there, there's a lot of complicated problems in the original series. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, oh, even better. What if he's stolen the DeLorean and is going through time to correct all his older versions? Put all the tenons on the path to right, making them not be like a redemption story for his family. Right. And the person who is the one against him is the tenon who got it all. The casino tenon. The Trump tenon. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Who maybe in his universe became president. Yes. Oh, that's perfect. Mwah. I love it. I think it's a great idea. So you've got the Nebish Tannen versus the President Tannen. Uh-huh. And they're going around. One of them is trying to correct all the other ones. And one of them is going around just ruining everything and just basically creating an army of Biffs and Griffs. It's a battle through time. Who can get there first? It doesn't matter. It's a time machine. It's a battle through time of trying to course correct everything until one of them is just erased from history and watches them fade away like Marty playing the guitar. Right. And eventually getting back to the right present. Back to the right present. Starring Tom Wilson. A IP Consultants production. Starring Tom Wilson as everyone. I think we nailed it with that one. Can we top I it? Think Can we clearly, top it? I, I don't know if we should. <laughs> well, we're, st we're still running a bit short. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I think after last week's episode, that might be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to pitch uh, Enter the George verse? You know what we should pitch for George McFly? Movie adaptations of his books. That's an idea. What are his books? George McFly's The First Back to the Future takes place, and he gets visited by Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan in the hazmat suit. And it takes him 30 years to write the book about it called A Match Made in Space, right? which is available 
available on Amazon, a real book. Uh, it, it is? I think it's just a cover and the inside of the book is blank pages. Oh, that sucks. So they didn't even castle it? It's a blank journal. So yeah, <laughs> it's the cover of A Match Made in Space by George McFly, but inside is all blank pages. They did the same thing with the handbook for the recently deceased. Hmm. <laughs> so because I think the show Castle is about an author. I haven't seen Castle. I don't watch it, but he's played by Nathan Fillion and he's an author and they've released actual books by that yeah. fake author. I don't know. Who I, know writes it, them. I know in Mallrats when they made What's Her Head's book in Mallrats, they had like physical copies of the book that actually had chapters in it that actually went along with what the movie was about and what they described the book to be like. And like those props wound up on eBay a long time ago. I've never been able to get one, but I've wanted one because it's actually Kevin actually wrote the chapters for it. Because mm. <laughs> there, there are a few things like that shows or movies or I guess it's usually shows. I think I've heard of some other show doing as well, like what they've released actual books by a character yeah, in the show by the characters. Yeah, that's a thing that is done. So I'm, I'm a little upset that they would release blank pages and not just hire. An well, it's, got, it's it. not an official release. That's, well, that's um, the thing. It's, I think it's a, it's a fanish thing. Mm. But yeah, I think absolutely a we should have a real book of a match made in space and B, I want to see the film adaptation of it. That'll be bookended by Crispin Glover talking about how he feels he got the idea because he's clearly bullshitting the idea because he, he knows if he tells him that it really happened to him nobody will believe him and they'll think he's crazy so he's talking about how the idea came to him and almost making it a, a documentary series and then like the problem the with Crispin Glover is he already exited and was replaced by a different actor with a mask of his face that costs yeah. actors guild rules to be written where you can't fucking do that uh. yeah I know the sentence the problem with Crispin Glover is multifold anyway true <laughs> but uh i think you know for this let's bring him back let's let's make amends otherwise just make it a straight adaptation of a match made in space and making it what would george mcfly have written as a book and then become a hollywood picture right and sort of garth merengueing it yeah absolutely or i guess children's hospitaling it uh, more garth merengueing it for those who don't know it garth merengue's dark place is garth merengue is an author who did a tv series that was never aired and then they found the footage and he's talking about the show that never aired while you're watching it and it was like a six episode thing that they aired on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim not long ago maybe about 2007 or so it's not a real show from the 80s and Garth Marenghi is not a real author it's a made up fake thing it's a character thing Richard Ayode is in it as a character so they're playing a character who's also playing a character in a show so it's super meta Patrick H. Willems just did a video about it and it's great so i recommend watching that and it's uh, watch the show it's all on youtube it's only six episodes and children's hospital did a similar thing where it's a fake hospital soap and it's intercut with behind the scenes interviews and stuff yeah of the fake actors who play the characters played by the actors who actually played the characters played by <laughs> actors we know <laughs> right so it's like Rob Codry as this actor who also plays a doctor who's also a clown. Right. You know, so it's. <laughs> yeah. So it's that format with George McFly. It's a behind the scenes movie intercut with the actual movie. Yeah, I think so. I think that would be way more entertaining than just let's make a match made in space because people would see the trailer for a match made in space come up. That's just the straight adaptation of a book that doesn't exist and go, what the actual fuck is this? How did they green light it with this title? <laughs> so. so uh, would this movie be made by the by Rob Cordry and and uh, 
or the the guys behind Dark Place. The series directed by Richard Iote, writing credits by Richard Iote and Matthew Holness. Oh. And Matthew Holness played Garth and Rick Daglas, which is the main guy. Mm. But yeah, it's worth looking into and, and checking out. But yeah, doing that style. You get with, either with, those guys or you get Rob Corddry and those guys. Yeah, getting the children's hospital people. But basically make it a self-aware meta mockumentary kind of thing about that book. Or the movie based on the book. The movie based on the book, yeah. More importantly, the movie based on the book. That's what I meant. Or the TV show based on the book. Because if it's a movie based on a TV show based on a book, that could be a whole thing. Oh, I'm gone cross-eyed. That's... <laughs> Or let's just do a documentary about George McFly, the author. What other books he's done. Yeah. And because you can't get Crispin Glover, you just have him be dead. Yeah. And you just go like, oh, this this dead author that we're celebrating with this movie that's being made because he just died. You could almost, if it weren't for... And you blur that. out his face. You show like still photos with like pixelation over the face because it's oh, like. No, no, his face is always turned away from the camera. Yeah. His face is always not facing the camera in those photos. They're all candid. He's always doing the hand. Yeah. Or like you intercut interview footage because it's old interview footage and you just use old interviews from Crispin Glover. Well, you, you probably can't do that legally. That's what I'm that. saying. You can't do that because of what happened with Crispin Glover. But the way they did Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, they couldn't do now, you know. So because of that, yeah, even Weird Al's fake interviews where he takes real interviews with people, but he cuts them up to say things that he's suggested by his questions. That would be kind of almost the style of this documentary. <laughs> so what else do we have? Back to the future, the flamethrower. I, I have <laughs> well, no we've, we've got the possible I- idea of, of uh, expanding the story of, of young uh, Emmett Brown. True, true. And possibly Emmett Brown's kids. And possibly Marty and Jennifer's kids. Yes. Because the future has changed so much, they grew up and they didn't look exactly all like Marty. Mm. <laughs> Considering for some reason, instead of having Jennifer play the daughter, they had Michael J. Fox play the daughter too. <laughs> yeah, that was that was weird. They all look like Marty for some reason. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the goofy things. Yeah, it's very complicated, this stuff. Yeah, I think everybody in Biff's family ever is all, It's they're all Tom Wilson. Everybody, men, women, Pets. people who, who are non-binary, just everybody's Tom Wilson. So, uh, <laughs> where do we go from here? Is there anything worse we can do? Is there anything good we can do? Because, I mean, I mean, the Biff movie doesn't sound terrible. No, 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 not at all. And the, the, the George McFly mockumentary doesn't sound like a bad idea if you just get the right people to do it. If you make it so self-aware and so winking enough that you know it's meant for a lark. Yeah, and it's not harming the original movies. It's not... Of course not. No. It's not painting... I forget what idiom I'm trying to draw, but it's not ruining anything. It's not running right, over right. anything with the... It's with not the destroying Delorean. anyone's childhood. Yeah, I guess that's the thing that you want to avoid is destroying anyone's childhood. Clearly, because all those remakes and reboots have done horrible things to people's past. They can never go back and watch those original movies anymore because these movies have clearly set fire to every copy and they don't exist anymore. Right. So that's what we're trying to avoid. But at the yes, same clearly, time, we don't want to do that. We're, tr- we're trying to tip the line, I guess. Is that the- I think the next step from all of this after you do all of these spinoffs, reboots, remakes, sequels, what have you 
then we go to the original Netflix TV series. Okay. And basically the TV series is a live action remake of the cartoon series. Oh, I did not expect that. And the live action remake, so it's got a bigger budget, but it kind of removes the semi-educational sequence of it and also kind of makes Jules and Vern not really dicks uh, <laughs> and kind of makes it more of a travel through time exploration. So you're getting into Doctor Who Legends of Tomorrow territory, maybe? Exactly. Okay. So making it making it the, the expanded universe on TV, making it Jules and Vern and their travels through time. Not even Marty, not even Doc, not even the other McFly kids, just Jules and Vern, a little older, maybe not making them the same age as they are in Back to the Future 3, making them teenagers, maybe in their early 20s, and kind of picking up the Doc Brown legacy, but going through time and just like realizing that they can do stuff that won't mess with the timeline, but still help people maybe have it be, yeah, like that. Directing anomalies, yeah. Given that they're a bit older, do you reference the cartoon as something that vaguely has happened? Or do you do you start it off with, oh shit, uh, we've got a legacy. We, we're going <laughs> to do some time traveling. We've never done that before. I think you give a little bit of a reference because how else ever will they do the time travel stuff? Because A, they've seen their dad do it anyway because of the train. We know that much that they know right. of the time travel because... That's what Doc says that they're going to do is they're going around to different time periods. Clearly, they already have because the steam train can fly. Right. So they've already gone to the future again. So these kids already know something about that. I say at least give the reference of our adventures when we were kids with, you know, Uncle Marty. <laughs> at least give that as a throwaway line but move forward and just mainly focus on the adventures we're having now because we are seasoned time traveling adventurers. I don't hate this idea. I don't necessarily love it but it doesn't offend me. Right, right. I don't see it offending anyone other than maybe like at first people are like maybe gonna be like oh why? But then it's like if you just execute it well yeah. and have it be like a Doctor Who Legends of Tomorrow type of just fun time travel show Yeah. with like it could work. It could work. Just don't do it the way time Timeless did it. We'd be fine. Yeah. I haven't seen Timeless. I do. I basically know nothing about it. I've seen the, the teaser trailer for it. I watched the first season. The second season got a little muddy. I enjoyed the show. It got canceled after its first season and fans brought it back for a second season and then it got canceled again. Uh, <laughs> it kind of tripped over its own feet and it, there's a lot of the whole point of the show is that somebody is going through and actually trying to change the timeline because of some conspiracy behind the scenes shadowy corporation in order for them to that corporation to become powerful they need to go back and change the timeline and then there's these three people who are going back to stop them from changing the timeline Uh, it's it's not a bad show. It's not a great show, but it's not a bad show. But it kind of got too big for itself and, and kind of went, how many historical people can we get involved in this and interact with and mm. change things about? That's been the edge that Legends of Tomorrow has been tripping around, because anytime they have a historical figure, the more recent, the worse, or celebrity, the show gets really stupid. Yeah. And really up its own ass about how stupid it is, because it's like, hey, look, we got this famous person. Hey, look, we're being stupid. Yeah, but it's like, hey, look, we got some random actor who can't do an impression or or looks anything like the person. Look, it's the historical figure. It's the celebrity. <laughs> look how cool it is. We're all super fans of this person who doesn't at all resemble that person. Hey, look, we got George Lucas. Look, we got George Lucas. He doesn't sound like George Lucas or look like George Lucas. He looks like a guy in a George Lucas Halloween costume, maybe. But hey, look, we got George Lucas. We're all big fans of George Lucas. And George Lucas is super important to the timeline. Okay, yes, George Lucas is super important to the timeline, but at least 
least get Josh Robert Thompson or someone who can do an impression of George Lucas <laughs> to sell the idea. They had Elvis on. You know how much he resembled Elvis? None at all. It's those things. That's there's where a, the there's show... a larger rant going on here that yeah. I was not aware well, that we were. That's where the show into. falls apart. Other than that, I love Legends of Tomorrow. It's super cheesy. It's super silly. I love it. But whenever they have historical figures on or celebrities, the show really shows how much it wants to be Doctor Who and isn't. But I think they've sort of embraced the stupidity lately, and that's kind of what's made the show good. Yeah, that's what I love about it. It's just that whenever they have those recent historical figures and celebrities, it just gets it's really obvious how stupid it is. That's fair. That's fair. Because like the Bebo stuff, I love that. So yeah, so either fully embrace the stupidity or shy away from modern <laughs> celebrities yeah. unless you can actually get the actual person to play themselves. Or a decent impressionist yeah. or someone who at least looks like the person in pictures. We're not talking Patton Oswalt playing Elton John in an episode of Flight of the Concords. That's not... Yeah. <laughs> That's what you want to try to avoid unless you're leaning into it and just sort of doing it yeah. on purpose, which I don't think Legends of Tomorrow is. I think they're being really proud of themselves, and I feel like they're... Well, I think them not doing straight-on impressions is so it doesn't become caricatures, but because of that, it's losing the plot of this is supposed to be that person. Yeah, it's just not landing, Yeah, which is you want it to land either comedically or as a real thing. And I think for the Jules and Vern adventure show, let's make it land. Let's not make it comedic. Let's not give it the comedic edge. Right. There can be certainly funny situations that happen and humorous, organic ways of getting there, but let's make it a, a straight show. Right. You know, make it uh, a Doctor Who in a sense. Yeah, but, situational yeah. comedy with some wackiness, but you try to sell the reality of it. as, as sell, sell the reality of a time-traveling brother duo <laughs> going through and correcting time anomalies and making the world safe and better. Right. Now, a thing that's always going to come up when you're talking about time travel is time travel rules. Obviously, Back to the Future has the fading away thing. And as, as we mentioned before, we've also talked about all alternate timelines. The thing is, those two ideas don't inherently go together. If you're changing the timeline and the other timeline still exists, and that's where a thing came from, it wouldn't fade away. It, it would just be from that other timeline. Uh, if things are fading away, that suggests there's only one timeline, and anything you change changes the one timeline that there is. Yeah. Well, see, no, here's a correction on that. Marty fades away in the past because his parents never met, because he's from the future, went to the past, and then eliminated his own timeline. Yes. And that's why he was fading away. So that's not a thing that's 100% because in two, they changed the timeline. They were from that time period. They changed the 85 they were in so that 85 changed around Jennifer so she stayed where she was because she was from 85. She was in 85. It was just a different 85. Right. They went back. They changed 85 in the past so that things, she was still around and everything just changed around her. She was essentially an immigrant from a different timeline. Yes, exactly. And that's, at least on the surface, a contradiction. A little bit. I still think it follows the main thread, and I think that's definitely a good thing to have in the series, is if you adhere to it strict enough so that it doesn't become convoluted and lost. Well, the thing is, in Doctor Who, and to some extent in Legends of Tomorrow, they have this thing where it's like, some things are locked 
in time, and some things can be changed. Yes. They're, uh, they're, in Doctor Who, they call it fixed points in time. Fixed points in time, exactly. And uh, I don't know if they have a name for it in Legends of Tomorrow, but they have basically the same idea. Sure. And plus, they have this idea of once you're changing something, it sort of gradually sets. And then once it's taken a certain amount of time, it has set, and then you can't fix it, basically. Like, it's a... it's Sure. There's a, like a, a sort of latency to a change in the timeline. So the effects don't all happen all at once. It happens... A latency to the butterfly effect of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of like Back to the Future with the fading photograph thing, because that's not happening instantly. It's happening gradually, and you got to fix it yeah. before it's too late. So that's... So it gets, it's kind of, it kind of gives you a time limit. Yeah, it's a ticking clock. Yes, exactly. It gives you a point that's running down to, to try to achieve whatever goal and fix whatever problem there is before that's wiped out. Yeah, it makes no sense, but it's a good storytelling device. Exactly. Plot armor. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's something you got to kind of stick to. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're doing a multiverse with multiple biffs, do those ideas go together logically? Do you make up an excuse to make them make sense? I think the Tannenverse is more of a, because it's a multiverse, not just multiple timeline thing. Well, multiverse and multiple timelines are the same thing, essentially. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. Because I think the whole Tannenverse thing, really, honestly, I don't see that being multiple movies. I think that's pretty much just one and done. Well, yeah, it's one movie, but it's one movie that is supposedly taking place under the same set of rules as the existing Back to the Future movies because it's about Biff Tannen and he was in the Back to the Future movies. Yes. So either you contradict it and don't care about it or you set up a reason why it's different, like he's using a different time machine or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely something along those lines. I think if we do everything that was said in this thing, they're going to be the people who are going to love the TV show and hate the Back to the Right Present movie. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Back to the Right Present movie is probably going to be more of a broader comedy. Oh, absolutely. Because A, you've got Tom Wilson, who's a comedian and probably wants to have a chance to shine comedically. Yeah. And you've got, obviously, a very sort of inherently funny premise. Yeah, I agree with that. And you've got the idea of multiple versions of the same character meeting, and that's the whole thing that whenever they do that on the flash it's always a, a comedy thing yeah yeah so obviously that's more of a comedy than the doctor who-esque tv show yes i would agree with that there are going to be purists who say oh no i don't like the funny things let's just keep it with the good time travel science fiction stuff there are definitely going to be the purists who kind of ignore it kind of like how people ignore highlander too uh so i i don't know why i'm bringing it up again but it's it's a thing um <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, so it's we're definitely going to run into that kind of situation uh, when these things happen. (laughs) Uh, No, (laughs) if these things were to happen, that is obviously a drawback to it. Right. It's just something to acknowledge. Acknowledge. Exactly. So we've got a surprising amount of content pitched in this episode that is built around the idea of don't 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 do any of these things. If, If you're if you're Hollywood listening, don't 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 listen to this episode and go hey they said it's okay no don't do these things yeah no don't do any of these and if you do if it's your job to do these things if somebody said hey if you don't do these things you're gonna lose your job because we're doing it and you're the one who's supposed to do it sure listen to this episode and you know be maybe maybe give us some credit and 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 kick a couple bucks our way because (laughs) of it but yeah Take our advice as a thing of like, worst case scenario, if this is what you're being forced to do, uh, sure, do some of these things or one of these things. Sure, some of these are actually passable ideas, but in the most part, overall, 
Yeah, don't. Just just don't. Yeah, don't if you can avoid it, if you gotta do anything. If you're making a time travel movie, don't call it Back to the Future. Call it something else. Yeah. Do something else with it. Ideally, make a new IP. Yeah, that's... That is the biggest consultation we can do for your IP. If you're trying to reestablish something for this one, at the very least don't just make your own yeah it's better in the case of back to the future to let it lie and if you're gonna do a new time travel thing you can just do a new time travel thing it's fine it doesn't need to be part of an established franchise it doesn't need to be a new take on an established franchise it can just be a new thing absolutely but that said if you have to these are some ideas (laughs) if you have to these are some ideas we are here happy to be your IP consultants for any of these ideas. We can further brainstorm them with you if you like. Yeah, hell, we'll write it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Yeah, I think we covered it. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. We have been your IP consultants. I'm Vincent. And I'm Ian. And if you have an IP that you think we should consult on, send us an email at ipconsultantspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can visit us on Twitter at ipconsultpod or on Facebook slash ipconsultpod. Once again, we are your IP consultants. The podcast is on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash IP consultants. Have a tasteful tuna. Bye.